0: Welcome back to the Conclusion of the Matter Podcast. This is Ryan, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Robbie and Wren. Uh, We welcome you back to listening to us as we are going to look at a topic that I had been given by a friend of mine, Amy, a while back. And it was on the list, as what I told her. And then Wren got this um, from a listener uh, at our gospel meeting, right, yeah, uh, yeah. one evening. Um, a uh, listener from the Greenville congregation, which yeah. I didn't even know was listening, but, but yeah, we but are thank very you. thankful for yeah. that, too. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm going to uh, start out with uh, what Solomon had to say there in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. And today I'll be reading from the The NLT, um, Ren has kind of got me on translation. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with the the way that reads here, just interesting uh, way to, to say it. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So whether it's NLT... New King James, yeah. whatever. I mean, right there is he tells us what he can came to the conclusion was, fear God and keep yeah. His commandments. So I'm gonna go ahead and kick it over to you, Ren, and you can actually yeah. tell them what okay. we're talking about. Yeah.
1: I like the uh, that it says the final conclusion. I like. Maybe we should have named the podcast that because it's a little more pithy than the conclusion of the matter. You know what I'm saying? We can yeah.
2: discuss the name change. I'm
0: in sure season we will change it. But <laughs> uh, I
2: actually did have a um, so. I was at a retreat this weekend, and one of my buddies we got to talking, um, and he said that he listens to the podcast um and his favorite verse in the Bible is the verse. That oh, we, really? Is our theme verse well, Ecclesiastes twelve, thirteen, yeah. and fourteen. So, shout out to Will, uh, and thanks for listening. Yeah,
1: thank you. Uh, today, though, as Ryan already alluded to, the topic that we uh, are going to be discussing. Uh, was one that was given to us by a couple of different people, and that is the topic of fasting. And so this podcast, we're transitioning from religious to health and wellness. <laughs> we're going to be talking about... <laughs> we just about, do it all. Yeah, <laughs> talking about intermittent fasting and uh, the increase in your metabolism that And that the creates. Atkins diet. Yeah, yeah. No, we're obviously just kidding. We're going to be talking about... Uh, fasting as far as it is discussed within scriptures, both Old and New Testament. And particularly, I guess the main question that at least I was given is kind of the idea is, is it commanded? Is it something that Christians should be doing? And so we'll we'll explore that, I think, kind of towards the end of this. We're going to cover some other things, kind of laying some groundwork before we get into that. Uh, But the first thing, you know, I think it's important for us to, when always looking at these things, as we often say, to define our terms. So when we're thinking about what is fasting in the scriptures, I think it takes a number of different forms. I know Ryan has some some things on that, but uh, typically when we think about fasting, we think about a complete abstinence from food or water. And that certainly is, at times, what is meant whenever we read about fasting, like Moses in Exodus chapter 34, whenever he was on the mountain uh, writing the law, and he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights, and he didn't drink food or water. Or like Christ in Matthew chapter 4, whenever he was being tempted, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he again did not drink food or uh, water. Now, in those situations, I think there's maybe some, I don't know, but maybe some miraculous kind intervention. of intervention because you can't go more than what three days without water yeah. without dying and so those could be special situations. special situations mm-hmm. but it again present illustrates the idea of a complete abstinence uh, from food or water totally no matter what um, and that format uh, though not exclusively it was generally used for shorter fasts. One example of that is in the book of Esther chapter 4 and verse 16. Uh, where it was requested that they fast not eating food or, or drinking anything for three days. Uh, but generally, that was not the format that was used for longer fast. In fact, Thayer defines fasting, at least the Greek word, to abstain as a religious exercise from food and drink either entirely if the fast lasted but a single day or from customary and choice choice nourishment, if it continued several days. So in essence, what they are saying is that if it lasted for a while, they wouldn't completely abstain, but it would just be from certain things that they would abstain from. And that kind of reminds me of like the uh, Islamic fast Ramadan. Like mm-hmm. they won't eat during the day, but they'll but eat then before sunup and after sundown. Mm-hmm. And it could be something very similar uh, to that. Uh, so, you do have a little variance, and I know that there's more variance than those two, but I would say those are probably the two major ones that we think about and the ones that we're, we'll be discussing as well. Do I have anything else with that one?
2: Not really, other than the fact that, kind of to your point, that it can be somewhat subjective. You know, similar to I was going to bring up Ramadan too, where they don't fast during the day but Do it other times, uh, or you know, it may be like certain today, certain foods or certain things that you are abstaining from. Uh, And I figure we'll be getting into the purpose here in a few moments. But uh, Ryan, did you have anything you wanted to add? add?
0: Some of the this is from a a book, um, uh, oh, questions and answers open forum from the Fried Hardeman lectures by Guy and Woods. This is, um, Actually, Wren's copy. I forgot mine at home. Fortunately, he he had one laying here on the bookshelf. Um, but I had looked at this, and he points out that the um, Hebrew word of, and I'm probably saying this wrong, but t-s-o-o-m literally means to cover the mouth. But what I found interesting that that means literally to cover the mouth, but in usage it meant to proclaim the fast – It only occurred 14 times in the Old Testament. The verb or infinitive is used 20 times. There is, however, no instance of it before the time of Moses found in uh, Scripture. Um, He did say that um, there's also the implied idea of afflicting the soul, which you can find in Leviticus chapter 16, Leviticus chapter 23, and Numbers chapter 30, and also in Psalm 35 verse 13, David um, writes there, um, I afflicted myself with fasting. So the idea is is there in the Old Testament of different things that were, specifically there in Leviticus chapter 23, they were commanded certain times mm-hmm. to do this. Afflicting the soul basically meant to deny yourself of of that type of sustenance for what whatever time frame yeah. it was, and I think you alluded to it, Ren. There were longer ones, there were shorter ones, there were... Uh, complete. There were partial. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know that you, we could probably go over them individually, but I think that's probably good enough to, for, yeah. for, for what we Our need purposes, to talk about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, then uh, I guess we can go ahead and get into the question of why did people fast, which kind of relates back to some of the things that we were just hitting on, particularly like what was defined there and what Thayer defines it. It was a religious exercise, I know I made the joke about the intermittent fasting at the beginning of this. That's more of a health choice, but it was a religious exercise, and there were a lot of reasons that we are given in Scripture as to why people would fast. Uh, one of the first ones that I thought about was to express sorrow. Uh, in Second mm-hmm. Samuel chapter 1, starting there around verse 11— this is after the death of Saul and Jonathan. It says, then, then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And so David and his men uh, expressed their sorrow at the death of Saul and Jonathan, which I think that's an interesting point. And a a good example of its own right, because David mourned the death of Saul Mm -hmm. as well as his best friend Jonathan, even though Saul was trying to kill Kill him. him. Uh, But again, they fasted and they tore their clothes to show that sorrow. I think we kind of see that same kind of idea in the book of Job, uh, where he tore his clothes and he sat in ashes, sackcloth and ashes. Uh, Again, that expression of sorrow for any number of reasons the death of a family member or tra- uh, tra- 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 travesty? Tragedy. travesty. Tra- tra- tragedy tragedy, or travesty, yeah. either one. Will I work. think my brain was trying to mash those Mine two words work. together. <laughs> uh, like what we see there with Job and and things of that nature. So one of the reasons why people fasted was to show sorrow. Um, do you have anything on that one?
0: Well, I think this, is, and maybe do you have Second uh, Samuel 12, 16? anywhere? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So if we're going to cover that later, I think that's has sorrow involved, but also yes. a little bit of pleading with God. Right. So if, if we can, well, go we can ahead. go ahead. Yeah, we can go ahead. So this is also David, and this is the for the context here. This is after, you know, Nathan the prophet came to him and and got him to realize that he was in sin. You know, using the, um, I don't know if you'd call it a parable, but. Pointing out about the the man stealing the sheep mm-hmm. and all that, and David was like, "Ah, oh, he's done for." And he's like, yeah. "Well, that's you." And he's like, "Oh, hey. a, epiphany." <laughs> Never mind. Uh, but um, and he he was told that that the son would not survive. Now David obviously thought that God could relent from yeah. that punishment, right? And we see there in um, in verse fifteen, at the second part of verse fifteen, there in chapter twelve, and the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's. That Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. Mm -hmm. So this is, I think, him mourning for the for the possibility of the child, but it's also a humbling aspect and basically pleading with God. And I think this is where, you know, we were talking beforehand. I've probably fasted without saying hey I'm going to fast you know mm-hmm. because there's been situations where you're praying and it's like right. you're not even having an appetite yeah. there's nothing you want other than to plead with God to 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 help with yeah. whatever situation or whatever you're dealing with yeah mm-hmm. yeah it can be
2: both of those and I was even going to bring in kind of on that same note in Ezra chapter 8 um, this is another one where we have an example of fasting. Uh, starting in verse twenty one, then I proclaimed to fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before God. Humility is a big part of this too, yeah, I'm okay. sure we'll touch on that later. Uh humble ourselves before God to seek him or seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road. Because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and wrath are against those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Um, so a few things that stuck out to me in this particular passage, especially at the end there. A lot of times you'll see prayer associated with fasting, and that kind of goes back to the purpose of all of this, too. Like we had Mm -hmm. just mentioned that we, and especially in this case, Ezra and and the Jews, they wanted God's intervention. Um, I believe you had brought up um, Esther chapter 4 earlier. That was another example where they fasted so that God would intervene in a particular situation. And though he won't necessarily intervene miraculously in the same way that he did in the Old Testament today... You know, it's still something that we can learn from to you know to be able to pray, especially, but also to fast in order to ask for God's divine intervention and kind of show that commitment to Him. Yeah, Yeah. and
0: I I think that you know, while it doesn't use the word pray, that it says David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. That's exactly what it is. Pretty obvious, yeah.
1: Well, and I think too, kind of going back to the the concept of prayer. Just like just because we pray for something, that doesn't mean that we're going to receive the outcome that we desire. The same thing is true even of fasting, even if we're mm-hmm. fasting with that prayer, doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to receive the outcome that we're wishing for. And I think David, again, in his
2: yeah, second in Second that. Samuel 12, Yeah, there. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, and once, once that happened, you know, he didn't sit around like pouting about, about it, it. Yeah. yeah, he
0: got back up and got back to his regular everyday right. life. Something mm-hmm. you said there, Ren, um, and we, you might have it when we get to the New Testament, but. The one case where the apostles couldn't cast out the demon, right. Jesus said, "Well, this one requires prayer and, and fasting. fasting, so um found that interesting yeah. um because it it uh ties them together a little bit there right. because it, it, yeah. it i mean, it's one thing to 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 pray and then you know, but also to put that removing all desires of and of uh, food or what I think. I think while we said the definition of fasting is is food and drink, I think we can apply it to other stuff too. Where right. we just completely. I've like heard of
1: people going on like social media fast. Fasts yeah, that's kind where, of what I mean. And or, yeah, and and there's something else that I was going to point out with fasting here in a little bit. Okay. that maybe we can. No, tie we'll that wait. Back we'll wait. Go Into. on. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. I'll wait. Yeah. I'm okay. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but I guess to kind of go back to what Robbie and y'all were talking about earlier, that appeal to God. I think is definitely an aspect of that. And connected to the examples that y'all used, I also think of Nineveh in in Jonah 3, because it's also, I think it kind of connects all of those things that we've already talked about, the sorrow Mm -hmm. and the appeal to God, but I think it also introduces the aspect of repentance Repentance, as well. Exactly. Because in Jonah 3, starting in verse 5, it says, the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Uh, the word reached the King of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he ensued a proclama- or issued a proclamation, and published through Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, nor herd, nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, uh, and let them call out mightily to God. Let every one turn from his evil way from the violence. That is in his hand. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So there we have the example of an entire nation fasting to show their sorrow because of their sin, to show their repentance, but also to plead to God, appeal to him, uh, to spare that destruction that was going to come upon them had they not uh, repented. So I think we see in that example kind of all of the things Mm-hmm. That we've been talking about being tied together. Right. No, have anything else on those things? I was just
2: gonna bring up, you know, a lot of the examples in the Old Testament you can see kinda like the emotional connection and, you know, it reminds me of in Acts chapter two, you know, the the people's response to Peter's sermon, how they were like cut to the heart. You know, a lot of your fasting in the Old Testament and prayer too, but in this case fasting you see a lot of people who are truly repentant and mm-hmm. truly, like, heartbroken of the things that they've done towards God. You know, you think of David, and, and I mean, you know, most of these examples, even even Daniel, like, some of these on behalf of groups of people. And Nineveh is a great example yeah. of this, too, that they truly felt repentant and, tr- and felt terrible for the things that they did against God, and truly, you know, wanted to express that to him and, like, have that connection and that Right. Uh, that relationship with God. Um, and, you know, I think the example he you brought up is such a good one because it not only kind of goes into the emotional and the repentant side of it, but also, you know, for God's intervention, right. you know, and the things that he, you know, wanted them to do. I think David's right. another really good example, and Brian... Or yeah. when Ryan, <laughs> that other guy, <laughs> yeah, oh, what's your name again? Uh, just drop the B. You're um, good. <laughs> but when when Ryan was bringing up uh, in Second Samuel chapter twelve, that's another just like incredible right. example of the purpose of fasting too. Like so, yeah. Uh, did you have
1: anything else on that? I was just gonna go back to the thing that we were kind of talking about a second ago about fasting put that in air quotes uh, outside outside of food and drink drink. but i think that ties back to one of the biblical principles that we see attached to uh fasting which goes hand in hand with everything that we've already talked about which i think is that that idea or principle of cutting those things out so that you can focus upon Mm -hmm, god and the things of god and those spiritual things that you need to be focusing on. So eliminating those distractions. For them, you know, they didn't have iPhones and Facebook and all that. For them, it was largely food and drink. That was kind of their, That I guess that was a very, <laughs> their entertainment. That was a very central yeah. aspect of their life that that consumed a lot of their time, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so cutting that out allowed them to focus on, the things of God. And I think we see that even in the New Testament. One example was in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 5, uh, where he's talking about the responsibilities of a husband and a wife in the marriage relationship. And he says to not deprive one another unless you agree upon it for a specific time so that you may devote yourself to prayer and And fasting. fasting. Now, the ESV does not include fasting there, but the New King James includes fasting. And so there again, we see that idea of uh, cutting out, in that case, cutting out the sexual relationship and the marriage for a period of time so that they can fast and pray and focus upon the things of God because, again, in the context of that, they were facing persecution or were going to be facing a great uh, tribulation and a terrible situation in Corinth. And so uh, abstaining from those relations so that they could focus upon again the things of God. So I think that's an aspect of that, which again, tying that, I guess, making a more cultural application. Certainly food and drink, I think is undoubtedly the primary thing in focus. But I think we can apply those kinds of principles to things like social sure. media yeah. mm-hmm. or what T V, entertainment, other things like that and say, I'm gonna I'm going to not do this for a month or a week, however long, three days, whatever and i'm going to spend the time that i would have spent in these things reading and studying and praying and whatever else you do have anything else on that no
0: i that's what kind of what i was alluding to is that <clears throat> i can think of times where yeah i didn't have an appetite because of of the you know not not necessarily worry or cons- maybe more the concern the the realization of the 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 situation a lot of times um it has to do with sometimes health related you know somebody yeah. or or someone is you know in a situation to where they're fighting for their life that you're related to and it's like you mm-hmm. you don't even want to eat you just want to pray and you want to dive into the into the word trying to find comforting words because i think for whatever reason i don't know if that's a natural thing god put into man or or what but it feels like that is almost consistent across the board that when people get in that situation they typically seek god in, yeah. in that's so yeah. um and maybe it is because it does uh well, i don't know where that says that but so i won't try to quote <laughs> it but um i don't know i just but also going back to not only no app. going back to my original thought i was kind of derailing there my original thought, not only not having—wanting food, but also not wanting to, to you know, have any kind of noise, yeah. whether it's a mm-hmm. radio, whether it's a TV, whether it's just anything. I just yeah. want silence so I can focus, um, and um, I think where we're going to get to, in a, I think, in a minute when we talk about the um, New Testament example where he Jesus was asked by— yeah. Why don't your disciples fast? Mm -hmm. And his response was, well, they don't have a reason to right now because the bridegroom's with them. It's a joyous time, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then he alludes to the fact that there will be a time when I'm not with them, which goes to that being being in a state of not sure what to do, you're needing help, whatever that may be. That's what the disciples felt at that point in time, and I think that's what he was alluding to. There is a time and a place for it um but i don't i don't know if that's where you were headed or not so i'll oh
1: that's fine i mean we can look at that if you want want to go ahead um it's in Matthew 9 well one of the passages Matthew 9 yeah
0: Matthew chapter 9 verses 14 and 15 here and and following um and actually uh Luke chapter 5 is an, is another one because i think the interesting thing there is at the end of that <clears throat> i think is where we can kind of get that not no longer binding from the old law to the new law yeah. because Christ immediately goes into the parable of the of the garment and the mm-hmm. the old garment, the the new patch, the that stuff. you not binding old stuff on right. the new. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, they're in Matthew chapter nine. I'm in Luke, but um, do you have it? Yeah, Matthew. <laughs> go ahead. I'm in the I'm in the Luke. You're one, over but. here
1: going on this well. I Luke chapter five. Don't
0: even have it Well, because up? I was in the Luke one. You, okay. Anyway. Well, you can read the Luke. No, no, one. go on.
1: <laughs> Matthew nine, starting in verse fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Uh, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins, if it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed, but new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so
0: both are preserved. I'm oh. off my monologue now. So oh, I thought on. I was
1: just reading it. <laughs> and <you're> well, I
0: <laughs> guess the point there is, um, you know, his point was there is a reason for it, but mm-hmm. also they were trying to bind it on people at that point. is like, why aren't they fasting? Because yeah. they should be. Just similar to why weren't mm-hmm. they washing their hands and all that stuff, right. but um so anyway
1: yeah I think that's exactly right because whenever because I was thinking about this even in connection with the question of is it commanded for us to fast today and my um, obviously my first thought was well what does Christ say about fasting and to be honest with you he really doesn't say that much about Fasting—it's like this, and then what he teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter six, and that's about really, the hypocrites disfiguring their faces—and that's really all that he says about it. And in neither one of those passages do we see a command,
2: direct command, yeah, to it's, fast. It's really more about like the mindset too. And this is kind of like yeah. what what Ryan was talking about, bringing up like some of the fasts that we take from you know social media or other distractions. But, you know, we've got to be in the right frame of mind. If if you choose to fast, then that's all fine and good and, you know, more power to you. And it's a, you know, just a phenomenal thing if you want to dedicate your time to do that. But also, like it, the verse that Rem was talking about was Matthew chapter 6, specifically verse 16, "...moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men." to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. So it's not something that you should do for attention or to, you know, attract or to seem Mm -hmm. like you're more religious than somebody else. It's Something that's going to, you know, that God's going to reward you for when he sees your commitment to him. Uh, but if you're in not in the right frame of mind, then, you know, then right. what's the point of doing it? I do remember, so when I was teaching in Tennessee, we didn't, you know, fast there or anything, but um, but we did this one thing. I think it was called a prayer Virgil. I'm, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that word correctly, because they sent it, like, over email, so I just, like, read the word, but... Anyway, um, basically how it work is, like, everybody on staff would, like, pick an hour that we would, like, dedicate ourselves to, like, you know, again, be in a very, like, quiet place with no distractions and, you know, just pray for that specific, you know, hour. And it could mm-hmm. be, you know—I I usually happen to end up at, at like— 3 to 4 a.m. because I was usually the last one to sign up. So, <laughs> so you know, I didn't have really any problem with, like, distractions or anything because it was already dark outside. And I, could I just, would have
1: problems falling asleep. That's yeah, yeah. That.
2: With. Um, Honestly, like, you know, once you – yeah, for the first, like, several minutes, once you get into it, yeah. you know, it, it sounds like it would be, like, a really long period of time. But it really, I mean, for the same purpose that, you know, a lot of these examples – fasted in the Old and New Testament mm-hmm. I mean I I never really felt like that the like minutes or the seconds like yeah. dragged on or anything and I, I always thought it was just like really w- rewarding when you could you know granted it was 3 a.m so you know but still being yeah. able to take that step back and to really you know yeah. have kind of that spiritual time and you know that one-on-one time with God is is really valuable and that's that's the best thing about all of this is you know is you know, God's always answering and listening for mm-hmm. our prayers, and so it's not like that has to be like a scheduled thing. You know, it, it could be any time, and right. and so I just think I just thought that was kind of a neat thing that that we did at our last school. That you know, if you are not in anything like that, it doesn't have to be like for an hour. But again, you know, just making sure that we're taking time out of our days, hopefully multiple times a day, but yeah. um, but you know, as often as we can, being in that in communication with God and cutting away from the world, because, I mean, think of how many different times throughout the New Testament, but also the Old, but especially the New, like a contrast is made with things and ultimately distractions of the world and things that are spiritual, and those two things can't both be happening at once. So, yeah. you know, dedicating ourselves to fasting and prayer and more spiritual thing is going to draw us away from some of the things of the world, but it's
0: ultimately going to put us in a better place.
1: Right. So Agreed.
0: I think you alluded to it, Ren, when in Matthew chapter six, where he talked about how the the Pharisees did it, where or the hypocrites, how they made it even look worse than probably what it was, right. mm-hmm. and it was drawing attention to themselves. And I think he makes it a, a, a distinction there that when you do it, it should be for you, and you shouldn't be doing it to be recognized yeah. by men. So he says, to anoint your head. So basically, like us, take a shower, get dressed like, yeah. like you're normal going about your business where no one could tell. So, Yeah. Um,
1: you all have anything else on that? <laughs> uh, the other thing, I guess, as far as if it's commanded for us, I mean, obviously, again, I think those two passages in Matthew and the other parallels in the other gospel accounts are really the only times that Christ specifically addresses that topic. And in neither one of them do we see any sort of command from Christ. But also, obviously, we have the remainder of the New Testament. And again, there's really not a whole lot mentioned about fasting throughout the remainder of the New Testament. I think, did you did you say that it was used about 30, 30 times, times or so? That's what he
0: says. The word need to so, or some form of it, occurred about 30 times. Is
1: that in the entirety of the Bible, or just That's the New Testament? That's New Testament.
0: Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, there's like 20, I think, in the Old Testament, oh, roughly yeah. that that so, word. Literally.
1: Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, and I mean, we do have some examples of the early church and Christians fasting. Uh, one of them is in Acts 13. Uh, we see the church at Antioch; they were worshiping and fasting, which I think is another interesting thing because we also see fasting in connection to worship a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Acts 13 is an example of that. Luke chapter 2 with Anna the prophetess. Uh, it says whenever she was, what, in her 80s, she just stayed at the temple all the time and dedicated herself to prayer and fasting uh, and worshiping God, obviously, at the temple. And so I think we see that connection. Obviously, we see that connection in Acts chapter 13 as well. But we also see it, another example is Acts chapter 14, whenever Paul was appointing elders in all the churches, Acts 14, 23, uh, we see that he did so with, prayer and fasting so to me I guess this kind of goes back even to what we were already talking about the reasons for fasting I think we see like if there's something kind of going back to what you were already talking about Ryan if there's something major that you're facing or a major decision that's being come to fasting and yeah in preparation for it and I know of people who like they maybe there's a an angering brother or sister and they have this time to decide where they're going to go talk to that person and then the day or two days leading up to that they're they fast so that they can pray and kind of get their mind right before going into that sort of discussion so I think we see that as well but again throughout the rest of the New Testament all we have are those statements where it says they they did fast in various capacities Paul fasted uh, after Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Mm-hmm. But again, nowhere is there a command to do so. Uh, anywhere, really, in the New Testament.
2: Right. I mean, there's so many examples. Uh, and I'll bring up some of these, and then I'll ask a question, see kind of what you guys think, because this is kind of the gist of the argument, I think, in principle. But the d- examples uh, you see, and we could have a list longer than this, but you brought up Paul and then Barnabas and the, and also the early church, Several examples of that in, in the book of Acts. Um, the Jews, obviously, in the Old Testament, uh, we talked about David. Uh, we didn't talk about Daniel. There's there's several places in Daniel where it mentions him fasting, uh, mostly kind of that for on behalf of realizing that that group had sinned and they mm-hmm. wa- wanted God to uh, you know be merciful on them. Um, Esther, of course, we talked about Moses, but even Joel chapter two talks about fasting. We talked about. A moment ago, the widow in Luke chapter 2. Uh, Nehemiah, beginning of Nehemiah mentions fasting, kind of similarly to what we talked about with the book of Ezra. Mm-hmm. Um, Ezra, obviously, too. Um, one I found really interesting is King Ahab. And in 1 Kings chapter 21, um, verses 25 through 27, Ahab's not a guy that you would expect to really
0: yeah. do a whole
2: <laughs> lot of fasting, uh, for those who know who Ahab was. But Pretty wicked guy for the most part, um, but in First Kings, oh, Naboth, yeah. yeah, for First Kings chapter uh, 21 uh, is kind of the story there. But if you jump down to verse 25, it says, "But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up." And he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord Israel had cast out before the children of Israel. So it doesn't seem like your typical fasting clientele there. Uh, But verse 27, so it was when Ahab heard these words. Now this was basically like God's description of him. And so he's kind of, I believe, has that Acts chapter 2. Uh, moment that the Jews had. But verse 27, so it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishabite saying, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me, because he has humbled himself before me. I will not bring calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring calamity on his house. So, you know, you can kind of see like a A bit of result from fasting here, too, where God, you know, even though Ahab had done, you know, wicked thing after wicked thing in his life, because he, you know, had that moment and, you know, in this case, the recognition to fast towards God, you know, God rewarded him in a sense for that. Yeah. But I thought that was a really interesting example, and of course, you know, in the New Testament. Jesus obviously fasted. So I think the crux of the argument is, like, you have all of these examples of fasting in both the Old and New Testament. You know, Jesus fasted. What would you guys, you know, if somebody asked you the question, you have all of these examples of fasting, why would you infer that it's not a an assumption or assumed to be a commandment for us to fast today? How would you respond?
1: Well, I would say because it's not actually commanded. I mean, God is always very direct in what he wants us to do. Now, to that, I would say, even though it's not explicitly commanded, I think we do see by their examples that it is a good practice Mm -hmm. for us. And I think Ryan may have already mentioned this or was going to talk about this some more, but Christians should probably, and I do think that That's probably a practice that a lot of Christians have lost and don't really think about Mm -hmm. because it's not commanded. And so we don't feel like we're, I mean, and I don't think we're going to go to hell if we don't ever fast. But because of that, it's kind of like, eh, who really cares? I'm not ever going to do that since I don't have to do it, which Mm -hmm. that's kind of a bad mentality, I think, anyways. But.
0: Uh, we do kind of like our food around Yes,
1: here. especially, yeah, we do but, in, um, but in America.
0: It, but as we point out, it doesn't have to be like a day long. I mean, yeah. it can be partial for that matter. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Well, even going back to the intermittent fasting thing, I mean, that's only where you don't eat it in the morning. And maybe you decide to do that where you don't eat in the morning and you spend that time in the morning in prayer and in study and in devotional before you have to get ready to go to work, whatever, even though I guess— the fitness people would classify that intermittent fasting. If you're doing it for those spiritual reasons, that's still exactly what yeah. we're talking about here.
2: You see a lot of people, you know, this is this is different, so I'm not associating the two, but I'm making, you know, a kind of current-day analogy. You see a lot of times with, like, Bible study, you know, people sometimes will, like, get up early and have their coffee and sit on the porch yeah. or, you know, out in nature or wherever it be, wherever their, quote-unquote, quiet place is. And they may not fast, but, you know, that's where they do their Bible study and, you know, kind of morning prayer and things like that. And so, you know, I don't know about you guys, you know, just kind of like considering the topic as a whole, you know, I couldn't help to feel like that I felt a little bit less spiritual than like, you know, Daniel and David and some of these guys. Now, granted, you know, these guys are, you know, has a heart. You know, David had was a man after God's own heart. You know, I'm probably not going to be in that same classification. But, you know, it's just really humbling to look back at some of these examples and the heart and the mindset and the dedication that they had toward God. And, you know, that's always like to what Ren was saying just a moment ago, though it's not commanded, you know, if that's something that, that you're able to do, you know, I think it's yeah. something that we should encourage more just because, you know, we looked to all these examples and you can't, you really can't help as long as you're doing it in the right mind. Right. But to really, Um, really grow closer to God in the process, and I think that's just such a a good and a spiritual thing. Right, I agree,
1: absolutely. Y'all have anything else? No? Mm -mm. Okay, well, uh, we hope that this has been beneficial and encouraging to you. Uh, I know fasting is not something that we generally talk about very often uh, within the church, especially maybe some other or some denominations may talk about it more than we do, but I think it is a, a good practice, a good thing for us to, to think about and to consider, and probably something that all of us, as Robbie pointing out, would benefit from if we were to uh, actually practice it periodically. And so though it's not a command, we don't also want to adopt that mentality of doing the bare minimum to get into heaven either. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's always striving to do everything that we can to grow closer to God. And I think fasting can play a role in that as we've been talking about. Uh, But if y'all don't have anything else, I guess we can say that that is the Conclusion conclusion of the matter.